I V M. News Kids on the Block. We bring to you stories that top the nation's papers, fresh from the IVM and Assen International School Desk. Hi, I'm Kavya and I'm Anya, and welcome back to this week's episode of News Kids on the Block. Unfortunately, Trivik will not be with us today due to some um, personal reasons. But you, so you're stuck with me and Anya for today. Um, and I'll take us into the first story. is about a proposal by the Delhi government to build a boarding school for children from homeless families. Um, they've proposed an amount of 10 crore rupees for this project. The Chief Minister of Delhi, Arvind Kejriwal, said, quote, There are so many innocent children who have been forced into the act of begging. No government wants to help such children because they aren't voters. We have allocated 10 crore rupees to build a residential state-of-the-art school come facility for the upliftment of these children. And he also added that they are in need for emotional and psychological care. So something like a boarding school for specifically for them would really be a great initiative because it's not only giving them um, needs in terms of emotion and psychology, but also in terms of education. And we'll be in this, we'll be able to educate so many more people and really see what like the potential of these people who always who aren't always given the opportunity to reach their full potential. So I think this is a really really important initiative and something that I hope other states follow as well and other cities follow as well. Anya, anything to add? No, like you said, uh, I think that it is a great initiative and it's definitely a start. Okay, I will also be taking us into the next story for the day, which is something I think that is genuinely such a simple thing that needs to be normalized and shouldn't be seen as such a, like a tab, not a taboo, but something so um, unthinkable to do, which is basically packing leftovers from food in dabbas and taking them home. There was this... Um, video that went viral of an Indian father who's packing his pasta from a very fancy restaurant into a metal dabba and this video was shared by someone on Instagram with the caption saying send this to the ones who are still embarrassed about packing up the leftovers in front of their friends or family like I said this is something that has become very like people find very embarrassing to do but at the end of the day if you're paying for this food why should you feel embarrassed to like pack it and take it home plus in this way you'll be reducing food waste you will be able to and obviously packing it from your own dabbas at home you won't be wasting plastic that the restaurant will probably use to pack your food so I think um Something that should be normalized more. Yeah, Kavya, I think that as for as long as I can possibly remember uh, packing food from restaurants is something that we've just sort of done. Like, you know, it hasn't been like a question mark or something like that. And food, honestly, restaurant food tastes just tastes better once it's been sitting in the fridge. I think like the food marinates in itself. So even when you were telling me that you wanted to do this story, I was I was quite intrigued at like how people thought that it was funny. And it, it's such an easy way to like, you know, it's such a simple thing to do. You can enjoy your restaurant food. It's literally restaurant just food ghar pe or school mein or kaam pe. And um, you, you, you save the food. The food isn't going to waste. Restaurants already, the restaurant industry and the food industry is already producing like how many millions of tons of waste every year. So I think that this is a practice that we should all adapt in our lives. With that, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to New Skids on the Blog. I will hand it over to Anya to take us into the next story. So the next two stories that we have for you are both international news stories. The first one comes from Sri Lanka, where there has basically been a critical lack of foreign currency. Essentially, Sri Lanka is unable to pay for imports of any kind, which is leading to dire shortages from anything like cement to even like medicines or equipment. 
because of this there have been riots at petrol stations severe food shortages and overall inflation so essentially it's like an economic crisis and india as neighbors we were starting to see um the repercussions of this as many refugees have already begun to trickle into tamil nadu prices for something like milk powder gas for like your stove and even medicines are really really high and they're only increasing uh families are cutting down on milk for children going to bed hungry because it's just impossible to afford anything um there was an instance of one village where shopkeepers divided a 1 kg packet of milk powder into 100 gram packets because the customers just couldn't afford the entire packet this has been happening since mid february and the repercussions and the consequences of this have been like power cuts even because people are unable to pay for electricity or the government can't withhand the uh, cost of electricity for a few hours school exams had to be indefinitely postponed because of the foreign currency shortage and there literally wasn't money to import paper and ink for exams so um the gist is that sri lanka's economy is sinking and a lot of this is because the fundamentals of the sri lankan economy were already weak and when the pandemic came along it just made things worse sri lanka like you as you may know it's an island so it's heavily reliant on imports of goods to, in order to meet its basic needs so they are importing everything from wheat to dairy to milk powder to sugar to their medical supplies so basically they now need foreign exchange in order to pay for these essential products that they are very dependent on to meet their livelihood now Sri Lanka is also a country that depends heavily on imports and they must have like they should have like a healthy foreign exchange reserve but their exports have also been declining because the exports are declining successive governments have indiscriminately taken foreign loans to pay their import bills and big development projects the covid pandemic and the waves that have come along have hit the three main forces of sri lanka's foreign exchange earnings which have been goods overseas remittances from workers and tourism um the world bank estimates that 5 lakh people have fallen into poverty since the beginning of the pandemic and 2 lakh have lost their jobs economic experts have considered that the government has just taken all of the wrong steps like banning imports of a few essential goods tax cuts and bad monetary policy as well as paying to cover debts but not buying essentials that might aid industries in turn for providing good output which benefits the economy and saying no to the international monetary funds assistance so sri lankans are really struggling right now and the government is unable to take responsibility or accountability in order to save the economy and the fallout of this has had a devastating impact on the citizens yeah and i think it's a really devastating situation um and i think i really hope that soon they're able to find a more sustainable and a better a more efficient solution for this i agree um we move into the next story which like i said is also an international uh, relation story and this one comes from our neighbor and not so best friend sometime pakistan so basically a no confidence motion or a no confidence vote is a statement or a vote that is conducted to deem whether a specific person in power is fit to hold that position because um and this is held if according to wikipedia if the person fails to carry out their obligations or make decisions that other members feel as being detrimental so in pakistan's case most recently like i said their current prime minister imran khan has lost the no confidence vote um so essentially what happened is that a key coalition partner switched allegiance so switched his party um ahead of the no confidence vote that happened this weekend 
so Imran Khan's party was tied with another party. That party kind of backed out, and so the majority changed. This is a really interesting uh, fact that I read, where no prime minister in Pakistan's history has seen out a full term, and uh, Imran Khan is facing the biggest challenge due to his rule since being elected in two thousand eighteen, with his opponents accusing him of economic mismanagement and foreign policy bungling, which happened according to a article from. the guardian so that's sort of a very very short idea of what the no conference motion is it's obviously like a lot and the motion was introduced in the lower house the national assembly and if imran khan had won it then he would just be dismissed along with his cabinet ministers but in this case he has not so now the opposition is showing a majority in the assembly and there isn't an election so either uh, imran khan gets impeached or many uh, foreign policy experts are postulating that Imran Khan's replacement will be Shehbaz Sharif who is uh, the former PM Nawaz Sharif's brother and he's also the president of the opposition PMLN party there are different reasons as to why Imran Khan is being chased out or not chased out but essentially they're just saying that he hasn't been able to economically guide the country well and um, as a result of this he is not really fit to rule quietly imran khan has not yet make, made a statement statement we're recording this on thursday 31st of march and he's supposed to speak this evening so make sure that you read up you might have the updates on this by the time the episode releases but it definitely puts pakistan in a very very situation uh, where they don't know what's happening pakistan's foreign policy is also something that that is is sort of under strain right now especially given like the the current tensions in russia and ukraine where pakistan has vowed neutrality but that might change if the government changes which then you know puts india in a bit of a very situation if pakistan takes sides so yeah it like i said it, it's just a sensitive and a delicate situation for pakistan right now we'll take a short break because that was a lot of fun news and we'll be right back Welcome back. You are listening to New Skids on the Block. I am your co-co-host for today, Kavya, and I will take us into the next story, which is slightly more on the light side uh, about the ninety-fourth Academy Awards or the ninety-fourth Oscars. Um, if they were just as exciting as always, and we had some amazing nominees and some amazing winners, and I thought I'd take you guys through a quick summary of those winners today. So we'll start off with the most important award, which is the Best Picture, and that went to the movie Coda. They beat out their um rival. of the power of the dog and king richard the oscar for the best actor best lead actor went to will smith will smith who surprisingly in his very very long career it was the first time he won an oscar he won it for the best lead actor for his role in the movie king richard and the best lead actress went to jessica chastain for her role in the eyes of tammy faye The best animated feature award went to Encanto, which really, really created a storm when it released. And the best original song went to Phineas O'Connell and Billie Eilish for their song, the original song "No Time to Die." The best supporting actor went to Troy Kotsur for his role in the movie Coda, and the best supporting actress went to Ariana DeBose for her role in the West Side Story movie. The movie Dune won um, best film editing, best score, best sound, and best production design. and the best director went to jane campion who won it for her direction of the power of the dog and those are just some of the main um award winners 
for this Oscar. Yeah, Kavya, thanks for that. Um, I'll take us into the last story for today, which is on how the Indian women's team, who, as you know, we covered this in a previous episode as well, played the Women's World Cup and they are, have now been knocked out of the tournament. Um, but, you know, they, they got knocked out of the tournament playing against South Africa. And I was reading a lot of different articles as to why they you know fell short or what what went wrong with them and what went right with them and and there was just a lot of like criticism in general um as there always is but I think that this World Cup was different because firstly it came after India was at a peak um two years ago when we made it like three years ago and you went to the final of like the T20 World Cup against uh, where he played Australia in the finals and lost and then you know coming into this tournament now we had a strong start but what changed was the combination in the team. And this seemed to be a trend across a few different articles that I read where the team didn't seem to be set. Shafari Verma hadn't performed in a couple of the warm-up matches and so she was dropped from the side initially. Um, a couple of the bowlers also didn't uh, didn't play all the matches. They just played one or two matches. And then Mitali Raj, who's been around for... I don't even know how long this is. And very sadly, this is probably her last World Cup. But... And I think that it must have really stung for her to not win that World Cup because she and Junan Goswami have just carried that dream of winning the World Cup and making something great out of women's cricket in India. And they've already done that for so many years now. Um, today, women's cricket is at where where it is in the country because of them. And so I just wanted to like use this, talk about the story, but also take a second to talk about the, the magnitude of the legacy that they've left behind. Julan Goswami did not play India's final match in the World Cup against South Africa where they lost. And I, and I think that that would have changed a lot. And even that last match against South Africa, it was so devastating because they needed one run to win or two runs to win. And then they India bowled a no ball. And that was just it. Like that, our World Cup dreams were shattered. Um, And I think that Again, not having a proper combination, a mistake like a no-ball. This is stuff that comes with experience of building a team. It comes with experience of being able to play matches. And that's where something, something that's some, a place where women's sports lacks. Because the, of course, I'm not even going into athleticism or comparing it to men's sport. But I am saying that the frequency and the level at which women's sport is played is very, very different. The men's season is a choco-block calendar. Whereas the women's team gets maybe five series a year. And maybe a World Cup. So I think those were like some of the biggest takeaways from the World Cup. The finals will be played against Australia and England, which shall be a game to watch out for. Also, the ICC has announced that the first ever under-19 World Cup for women will be a T20 match. As I was talking to someone about this and they were just like, how nice of the ICC to keep it short and sweet, um, which was obviously sarcastic. But yes, that, that's how it will be. Um, I'm quite excited for this, uh, Kavya, mostly because I think that there have always been these memes about how Shafari Verma would lead the side, but like now it could be a reality and she's just so cool and so perfect and everyone, my love for her is unmatched, as you know. And the other news that comes from, women, from women's cricket is also that the BCCI has announced that they might have a full-fledged women's IPL with six teams from 2023, which will be something to look out for because they haven't had the T20 tournament last year, which they usually have. And this year, they haven't announced anything for it either. And it really is just like four matches the entire tournament. So um, it will be fun to see something like that. I think it'll give a lot of different people a chance to to see cricket at like a bigger level and to have that opportunity on a bigger stage. As you know, the IPL, the men's IPL has started. It is in full swing. People are bowling things, hitting things, knocking things out of the park. It is being played across Mumbai and Pune. And all teams have played once as of now. And by the time you're listening to this, 
couple more teams have played each other twice. And with that, we'll end this episode. That's all we have for you today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of New Skids on the Block. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other podcasts on the IVM network. You can follow us at, at IVM Podcasts on both Instagram and Twitter. And we will catch you guys next week. Until then, be sure to stay safe, drink water, and don't forget to do your homework. Bye.